Hello, I'm Carrie Gard, and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Welcome back to season 12. I hope you were able to catch my conversation with Seku White. If not, be sure to skip back and hang out with us as we talk about marketing to skeptical audiences. In this episode, I chat with Aileen Cosmano. In cybersecurity, it's very easy to use language that strikes fear in the hearts of buyers everywhere. But Aileen is committed to proving time and time again that you don't need to scare your customers into buying your product. There's a better way. And she walks us through it. Aileen Cosmano is an experienced marketer in cybersecurity and technology. Her work experience and skill set spans across brand strategy, product marketing, communications, and creative strategy. Aileen is currently the director of marketing at Cyvatar, where she leads the brand vision strategy and team. Prior to Cyvatar, Aileen held various marketing roles at Al Cyber Defense and Dynata, formerly Critical Mix. She's also a co-founder of the Cybersecurity Marketing Society. When she's not thinking of the next big idea, she can be found hanging out with her golden noodle pup, Oakley, or catching a yoga class. Here's my conversation with Aileen. Hello, Aileen. Thank you for joining me on Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Hello, Carrie and our audience. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to dive in today to our conversation. Yes, me too. Before we get there, let's have you introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us, Aileen, what do you do and how did you get there? Sure thing. So um, my name is Aileen Casmano. I currently am the Director of Marketing at Cyvatar. And we are a cybersecurity as a service provider with a complementary platform uh, that's an all-inclusive uh, subscription model for cybersecurity. Um, and Cyvatar is built to serve uh, startups and SMBs, making cybersecurity accessible and achievable for them. And how did I get here? Um, so I kind of stumbled into the cybersecurity industry. Um, I previously worked in market research, in marketing and communications, and that's kind of where I started my career. But I hit a plateau. Um, I, I, the company I was at, I just, there, there wasn't any more opportunity for growth. I didn't really have the support for professional development and career development. And I was just like, I felt like I like was my skin was itching. Like, you know, I, I was just like, I needed to break out of my shell. Like I didn't feel like I, um, my growth was being supported. Um, and also there's just the industry itself didn't excite me and I wasn't passionate about it. And obviously when you're not passionate about something, it doesn't motivate you. It doesn't get you excited. It doesn't, you know, work that creative muscle. So I, you know, obviously started keeping my options open um, and started uh, a job at another cybersecurity company, not Cyvatar, uh, Owl Cyber Defense. Um, loved the team over there. Uh, so I was started in a product marketing role and I was working alongside product managers, 
and our VP of marketing, um, and obviously with the rest of the marketing team to bring their cybersecurity hardware devices to market. Um, I got to work on all things like coming up with product names, go-to-market strategy, um, videos, um, messaging, branding. So that really, I mean, once I started at OWL, I just took off. Um, I had really great support from our VP of marketing there and my manager. They just allowed me the freedom to get creative, to um, come up with my own strategy, um, things that I had never been given the opportunity to. And once I started doing it, I was like, wow, I like this and I'm good at it. And then, you know, just from going to conferences and networking in the industry, um, that really introduced me to other amazing humans in cybersecurity marketing. And just talking to fellow marketers, you know, I kind of started to think, you know, this is a really challenging field. It would be so nice to have, you know, people to turn to outside of our organization that we could bounce ideas off of, et cetera. And my manager at the time, Maria, her and I, you know, we both came, we both joined OWL from outside of cyber and we were just like, it, there was a learning curve obviously. And um, it was just, a, you know, challenging to learn, but once we got it, we were very, very good at what we did and were able to market efficiently. And then Maria met this woman, Gianna, who was also in the cybersecurity and the two of them started talking and Maria was just like, you know, what if there was this community and, you know, where we could bring cybersecurity marketers together, where it's on LinkedIn or Facebook or something. And Gianna had, had already been working on the idea. So the three of us came together and started the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, which is a community for cybersecurity marketers to um, learn, grow, and network. Um, and it's a completely free membership. And we have a, a Slack community. We have a yearly event called Cyber Marketing Con, and it's grown to over 700 members to date. And it's really a place where cybersecurity marketers can come and be vulnerable and be themselves and show up and say, raise their hand and say, hey, I'm new to this, or I'm facing this challenge, or I need a recommendation for a vendor, or can you share best practices in XYZ? And it's really blossomed um, and our, you know, we have our members to thank that have helped it grow to what it is today because we just let the members decide you know, and choose the direction of what they want out of it. So that's the story. It's been a wild ride um, just since 2018. <laughs> yeah, such a good story. I, I'm familiar with the cybersecurity marketing group. I didn't realize, and I knew you were part of it, but I didn't realize you were a founder. That's, it is huge. It's huge. Like, that's awesome. Thank you for finding an opportunity for that and leaning into it and helping make it a thing because communities are incredibly powerful. And to, you know, especially I, I agree, cybersecurity is its own beast. So to have a place for marketers to go and learn from one another, like, yes, to that. So Thank you. Yeah, it is. And especially for marketers in cyber that don't have a tech background, because um, just my observation, I find that a lot of, especially product marketing 
and content writers in cyber do have a technical background that they're able to apply to marketing. But uh, my, myself included, I don't have a technical background. So you, you feel behind already. Um, but as long as you surround yourself with the support and community and just meet like-minded people that were in the same position as you or are in the same position as you, you realize that it's achievable and you'll get there. It's just, you have to be patient and you just have to be willing to learn. Yeah. You got to have that up of mind, put your ego aside, which is so hard. Um, but yeah, really powerful when you can put your, your learning hat on. Um, oh, love that. And I love what you said about managers too. Like they're so important to opportunity and growth and when they can identify sort of your, what your strengths, um, in, in what you do and be able to help you lean into that, like the power of that is amazing. So that's, that's awesome that you were able to find some really thoughtful managers who are help who helped you find your way of like your passion and what you love in regards to, you know, being a marketer in cybersecurity. That's, really powerful and, and important, especially nowadays. Absolutely. Never settle for a manager that doesn't empower you. <laughs> Love that. Um, in terms of a challenge you're currently facing, what, you know, what's keeping you up at night? What's, where's your, where's your biggest struggle right now? Sure. So, um, you know, related to Cyvatar and my role there, um, we we created a completely new cyber approach to cybersecurity, a new model. Um, <clears throat> cybersecurity as a service, subscription, right? Those are all buzzwords on BDC. Um, but when you think of traditional cyber in B2B, you, you never think, oh, let me, you know, sign up on this this website for a subscription. Um, so there's a lot of skepticism uh, right now, you know, at first to our, to our offer and our solution. And we hear this is too good to be true. You know, let me see the fine print, you know, what's the cancellation policy? Are there high fees? Um, and so we are being as transparent as possible at Cyvatar, but it's going to take some time to, to train and change the mindset of the industry because traditional cyber there's, you know, you have to buy a bunch of different software and tools usually and commit to long contracts and et cetera. And there's hidden costs and fees. So we're trying to uh, make it really simple and effortless and transparent to get a cybersecurity solution in place, especially for startups and small businesses that don't have in-house cybersecurity expertise and sometimes don't even have a a technology team yet, but they know they need cybersecurity. So um, we're talking to, you know, C-levels that don't know what, you know, sometimes what uh, phishing, you know, phishing is or how to prevent phishing or, or et cetera. And um, we're trying to educate and introduce this new approach to cybersecurity that just people obviously are skeptic to. So there's a lot of trust that we have to build right now, especially with marketing and with our, you know, solution and our, our members. Um, so I'm trying to get as many case studies as I can out 
success stories, but also, you know, companies don't want to share what they're doing for cybersecurity. That's obviously a risk. So building trust um, and also making Cyvatar, you know, just building reputation, good reputation and good brand perception around our brand and our name. I imagine too, to, you know, just sort of mirroring back something important that you said with you know, smaller businesses, there seems to be a huge element of education that goes along with this, not just from like a pricing model, but in in terms of like, to your point, like to not even know what phishing is and how to even go about that. I mean, that's a huge undertaking when you have to not only convince somebody that they need this thing because they already know that they have a problem, but also convince them that there's a problem. Exactly. And especially for the market that we serve startups and SMBs, they don't think they need cybersecurity yet. They're like, oh, we're young, you know, our product is very early or we're in stealth mode or, you know, we're putting our our funding towards sales sales teams um, and they don't see cybersecurity as a foundational business need. Mm -hmm. And without using the fear factor, um, we educate them and outline why it is. Um, I mean, not having cybersecurity in place can affect so many different found, you know, foundational business projects and initiatives like compliance, meeting compliance, even um, acquiring new customers. Some customers re- require security questionnaires. And if you have nothing in place, you obviously can't confidently answer that. So we're doing a lot of education to the startup and SMB market and those C-level non-technical executives of how cybersecurity and why it's so crucial to embed it into your your business strategy early on and how it sets you up for success so you can scale and grow and and not have to worry. Which actually dovetails perfectly (laughs) into our conversation today, which is all around messaging in terms of cybersecurity. And I love what you said in terms of not talking about not breathing fear into it. So there seems to be, that seems to be like the easiest way to do it though. (laughs) You need this thing. Otherwise all these terrible things are going to happen. Like that seems to be pretty clear cut messaging. Why are you, um, why do you, why is that not helpful? Why is that something you're avoiding? What, what is fear-based messaging to you and why are you trying to steer clear of it? Yeah, so um, it's called FUD, F-U-D, Fear, Uncertainty, and Doubt in the cyberspace um, for those marketers that are listening that, you know, come come from outside the industry. And it's basically using fear tactics to sway a prospect into, you know, taking a demo or even buying your product. And the, the reason why, you know, Cyvatar, we've decided to not take a fear-based approach is you want, it comes back to that education, right? Instead of scaring someone into buying your solution and, you know, partnering with your company and putting a, a sound strategy together, you really want that education part because you want them to understand why it's important, why the investment is worth it and how it'll grow their business. Because if they never understand it, they're never going to value it and they're never going to make it a priority. 
Um, and also it's just a, a tacky way of, of marketing, like, oh, let me, um, you know, profit off of another company's hack, another company's breach and, you know, make them an example. Um, so we always use it as a, an opportunity to educate um, instead of make an example and, you know, scare someone into talking to us or, or taking a, a meeting with us. Um, so at Cyvatar, you know, a, a lot, I, I joined very early on. I was the third or second or third full-time hire aside from the co-founders and from the early stages of ideating on our brand and, you know, how we want to be perceived, even our, our, our branding colors and our logo is very different from the traditional cyber branding. Um, when you think of cyber, you see like dark, dark colors, like dark blues and blacks and a hacker and a hoodie face down in front of a laptop, you know, that's kind of the, the, the usual imagery and branding that, that the cyber industry uses. And we as Cybertar were like, we don't, we don't want to be that. We don't want cybersecurity to be a scary thing. We don't want it to be taboo. We want it to be a transparent, positive experience. So our colors are purple, um, purple, blue. Um, we're very light and bright and modern and fun. And it's just inviting when someone, you know, reads a content piece of ours or lands on our website or sees us at a conference. Um, it's, it's a very inviting, energetic brand um, that we carry through our, our imagery and our, you know, creative uh, assets and also our messaging. And especially, um, you know, it's especially important when we're talking to and, you know, working with the non-cyber, non-technical audience, because we don't, we obviously don't want them to be afraid of cyber and we don't want it to be a taboo conversation. So our, our branding has, you know, just, just the different approach we've taken, the non-traditional approach has really been successful for us and people um, have really taken a liking and appreciate appreciate it. Yeah, it's such an, uh, it seems, it seems like the hard way, I'm, which I think is, uh, which is the right, in terms of right or wrong, I think it's the right way, but it does feel harder because low, it's low hanging fruit, right? To scare people into needing something. Um, it's much yep. easier to talk about the problems of all the things that will go wrong if you don't take care of this thing. Um, in a, and it sounds like you close probably close deals a lot faster. Um, but to your point, it's not. It it just doesn't feel good. Right. It's like if so, you an, an analogy you know that comes to mind is if all your, your dentist said to you was you're going to get cavities if you don't brush your teeth, right? Like, no, they educate you on good hygiene, good dental hygiene and why you should floss and why you should come for a cleaning and why you need to brush your teeth every day. If you just constantly got, you know, messages from your dentist of brush your teeth or else it would deter you. It would, it would just not form an initially good um, experience and perception of your dentist. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Whereas the education of, you know, do X, Y, Z, and then all of this, these positive things will happen and you'll have these great outcomes in your life. Yes, I love this. So in terms of education, um, where do you begin with that? I mean, is it a lot of, is it, is it literally talking to people, you know, gearing the sales team up with the right content? Is it your website? What's sort of your strategy in terms of bringing this to life? Because, you know, like we're saying, education does take a bit longer to, you know, bring people through and in. I imagine you have to have a, a pretty solid strategy behind it to, to help move people, to bring people in and move them through. Absolutely. Um, so our, our, our sales team, and I'm doing air quotes, um, we don't call them a sales team. We call them solution outcome advisors. And, and that's obviously the first human touch usually that a prospect has, unless we meet them at a, a conference or, or a trade show. But that's the first touch, you know, face-to-face that prospects have with us. And like I said, we're not doing the hard sell. We're not using the, you know, get cyber or you'll get breach tactics. It's let's assess what you have. Let's look at where your gaps are. And then let's collaborate together and build a strategy that fits where your business is right now. But build a roadmap so when you get to 200 employees or 500 employees, we know what solutions we need to build on in your strategy and put in place to make sure that your cyber grows with your organization. Um, we also don't throw a bunch of tools at a company and say, you know, get all these tools and you'll be you'll be safe. It's very every every strategy for our our members is custom. So it's a very solution focused conversation when our sales team is meeting with prospects and having those initial conversations. So they're trained on, you know, they're trained on all of the solutions we have. Um, they've, they have experience with built, you know, advising smaller companies and, you know, medium sized enterprises. So that that's the, the first touch. And then um, as far as our marketing material and our content, Yes. So, um, and, and also every employee goes through training on Cyvatar solutions. So from the marketing team to the member experience team, to the sales team and everything in between, we're, we're all trained. So we're all able to have those conversations when we're out in the field and we're out at events of the solution focused and outcome focused approach Cyvatar takes. Um, and even with our content, we, we never put out content that isn't aimed to educate and build trust with our audience. In terms of content, one of the things you mentioned was case studies and, and customer stories. Is that, is, are you leaning into that because it's what you know to work? Are you leaning into it because you're having success right now? Why, why is that so important to you to lean into those? Yeah, I think as a, a company that's breaking into a, a new category and a new approach to a traditional industry, the proof, people are always looking for proof points, right? So show me what you did for a company like mine, right? Show me what you did for a company in my industry. Um, and so if we can have that testimonial and, you know, those numbers of Cyvatar, you know, helped 
this company gets secure and at a maintained remediated state in 60 days or less. Um, just, just tying facts and figures to our business model um, immediately builds trust and, and has, you know, prospects say, all right, all right, I'll let, let's get into this and, you know, I'll ha let's have a conversation and let's dig in deeper. And we also um, have customers that will actually give them, you know, take a meeting with, with prospects and, and give a, a testimonial. So um, I would say, yeah, the case studies and just leveraging all the expertise on our team from our co-founders to our member delivery team at um, speaking events, webinars, um, we have such intelligent and seasoned cyber veterans that work for us. Um, so leveraging that internal expertise, making sure the right people are on the right calls with prospects, making sure the right people are at certain events um, and even leveraging our internal expertise for content. I'm not an expert at <laughs> multi-factor authentication. Um, so if we're working on a blog about that, or if we're working on, you know, a, um, a solution-oriented response to something like Log4j, which was the vulnerability that came out a few months ago. I'm pulling in our technical resources and our te technical expertise to make sure that our message is crafted with a educational solution-focused, um, you know, uh, <laughs> sorry, let me repeat that. To make sure our messaging, our message is crafted with a solution-oriented approach. I love that. I'm curious though, because you're talking when you're talking to an audience that's less educated about the space, right? You're not talking to CISOs. You're not necessarily. Um, you're not talking to people who live, eat, breathe, sleep cybersecurity, like you and and your company does. So for the fact that you're talking to a very different audience, when you are bringing in those experts, what's, is there, is there sort of a language barrier do you find in terms of them being too technical? Do you have to, you know, do you know what I'm asking in terms of like messaging and simplifying language? Like, I just wonder if. Yeah, so. Like a, a bit of a challenge there. There's definitely translation done to make it digestible and understandable by a, a business decision maker, um, but it's still important to extract the details from the, the expert, right? So um, I think my experience with product marketing at OWL, um, we had, OWL has a very technical product. It's hardware enforced cybersecurity, extremely technical meant for critical infrastructure. Um, that really built my muscle of, okay, let me, take this, you know, this, this technical description or this technical use case and translate it into easily understandable, an easily understandable message, right? So that's, that's how I collaborate with our technical team. Um, because you're right, we're not in our, in our content. It's, it's designed so that a CEO or a CFO can understand what solution they're on, they're they're getting right, or what solution Cyventar is bringing, or what solution M MFA brings. It's tied back to the business and how it will bring solutions for their business and ROI for their business 
and overall, you know, what, why it should be a, why cybersecurity is an important business, business initiative. We're definitely not digging into the details and tactic, tactical, technical um, reasons of our, you know, in our content. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be a balance there between sounding like you know what you're talking about, but also making sure that your audience who doesn't, isn't technical about it, understands it as well. That's, yeah, I can see that being um, an art almost. Yep. And, and obviously we tailor it to our different personas. So a C, CFO um, wants to know, you know, how it'll affect their bottom line and, and how it'll bring return on investment and, you know, different financial implications where a CEO, you know, doesn't want business downtime and wants to keep employ, you know, wants to make sure employees are trained on cybersecurity and are cyber aware. So um, we, we definitely translate our solutions to the personas we're talking to and make sure that we always tie it back to business drivers and business, you know, the overall business strategy and, and making sure that it contributes to growth. This could probably be a total tangent. And if so, you know, if we, if we need to veer off of this, that's fine. But my curiosity, because you keep mentioning it. And so I, my curiosity is getting the best of me right now. Um, I'm so curious because you keep mentioning bottom line and how cybersecurity affects your bottom line. I mean, I can see that from like, um, obviously if you have a breach and a lot of your data gets leaked, how that could definitely hurt business out. Is that really what it comes down to in terms of the bottom line? I mean, how are you speaking to business outcomes when you're talking about cybersecurity? I'm just so fascinated by this, this idea, this kind of messaging. Yeah. So it, it affects in many different areas. So obviously, um, if you don't invest in cybersecurity and you get breached, it costs way more to you know, if, if it's ransomware or whatever, clean up, do the cleanup for that breach than it does to implement a solution and, and have that running over time. Um, but things like, um, like sales cycles and, and pipeline, um, most, most companies now, at, especially in, in technology, ask for some sort of security questionnaire um, about a product they're implementing, or a tool they're buying, like, hey, what 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 security does your company have in place before we, you know, sign the dotted line before we make a decision about implementing it? Um, obviously, it's going to be, you know, implemented into their network. And so, if there's nothing in place that could delay or even kill the deal, so the earlier you get security, the more opportunity you have for. Um, you know, sales pipeline and, and knowing that you have a solution in place. So that's, that's definitely a, an area we see um, a lot. And then another is compliance. So a lot of compliance standards, if you think of like HIPAA um, is a big one in healthcare and there's a lot of financial, um, a lot of compliance and financial services. If you have Compliance, and a lot of companies think that if they're compliant, they're secure, and that's untrue. Um, 
because compliance, you're, you're just, you're, you're taking a box of, okay, what I need to do, but it's not custom to your business. Whereas if you have security first, um, compliance is a byproduct of it because you're already implementing strategy, security strategy that's custom to your business for your, your size. And then, you know, you build compliance on top of that. Obviously there's different regulations for each industry, but a lot of the time we see compliance, we see companies that struggle to meet compliance in, in time and cost effectively because they're scrambling to get a bunch of solutions and, you know, things in place and it takes a lot longer. Um, and it's, it's obviously more costly. So those are the two main areas where we see security, you know, having it already, having it, you know, from the get-go is just more cost-effective, efficient, doesn't send the, the company into a frenzy emergency. Um, and it, and it, you know, more, most importantly, especially when it's tied to, to new customers and security questionnaires, it builds trust already. So, um, and then, you know, obviously if you have your employees trained security awareness training, I think is one of the most important things that any company of any size should consider, um, for a small investment, you can have that peace of mind that, okay, I know, you know, human error is, is one of the biggest vulnerabilities you can have, um, someone clicking a link, someone, responding to a, you know, a a text or, um, whatever it may be, um, for, for a small investment, if, if you don't invest in security awareness training, you know, usually human error is what, what gets you in trouble. So it's just the, you know, the cost benefit analysis, um, at the end of the day. Why I think this is so key is not because I, you know, I don't, I wasn't trying to get you to sit here and sell sell us on your podcast. That's not what this podcast is about. But I think what's so key about that is um, because when I came out and said it, right, initially when I was asking you this question, it was a very fear-based answer I gave, right? And you immediately flipped that into, you basically just use positive educational content in that moment. Like, what a great example of like everything we've been talking about in terms of how to talk about this thing in a really beneficial, positive way to get what people need in place that's going to affect their business without being like, you know, without using FUD. Like it's just really powerful the way that you just literally laid it all out there Um, and that it can, it is possible to do it without fear-based messaging and in some ways, I feel like it's, I, I felt like that was way more powerful. So thank you for walking us through what that could feel like. That was awesome. Absolutely. And one, one point I forgot to mention too is, um, and I'm not trying to sell, just more educate. No, no I know you're not. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, with, you know, anything that's as a service, um, especially, you know, in our case, for, for startups and SMBs providing an accessible and cost-efficient cyber solution, um, they would have to go out and hire full-time employees, right? Cybersecurity staff. And for the cost of one employee, um, and, and you need a team, one person can't you know, manage everything. Um, Cybertar solution is actually uh, 
usually, um, depending on employee count, but turns out to be more affordable than going out and hiring, say, a staff of two or three cybersecurity engineers or, you know, security IT engineers. So that's why, you know, CFOs love us because mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you know, my startup is, you know, we have, we have to save wherever we can and I don't have to go out and pay for healthcare and a salary. I can just bring Cybertar in. They can be our, you know, an extension of our IT team and we're their outsourced cybersecurity solution. So that's also how it affects just bottom line and, and you know, scaling, scaling fast. You don't have to bring in an in-house team to train and, and get on board. We can just come in right away. And I can see that how that definitely speaks to the small business and startups. And again, t- you know, talking about your personas and your audience and, and speaking to them of what they need and then layering on this messaging that really talks to uh, to each of those in a really powerful way. I imagine when you're talking to CEOs, you're talking, which you mentioned already, like you're talking about productivity and, and downtime. And um, I think that's just really important in all of this. And again, just it's, I think it's really important. Our messaging, what we're talking about today, Lena, I think is just so important in the cybersecurity world of there is a better way to talk to your audience without scaring them. And there's enough fear in the world right now. We're all on edge. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So if you can speak to people in a way that brings them on board without make with making them feel like they have control over making the decision, because that's really what it is, right? When you're using fear-based messaging, it sort of takes their, their control away of like, you're, you don't have control over making this decision because if you don't, here's all the things that could possibly go wrong. Where if it's more about laying it out in the way that you did from an educational space, it's like, here's everything you need to know, whether we're the product for you or somebody else's, the point is you need this thing and here's why, and here's how it can, you know, whether you're CFO for these reasons or whether you're CEO for these reasons, you know, here's, here's why cybersecurity is important. And I have never really heard anybody lay it out so thoughtfully that way. And I'm just so grateful. So thank you. Yeah. You, you summarize that perfectly. <laughs> yes. Um, before we close out here, Aileen, is there any last piece of information or advice you would give for those who are feeling inspired right now to lean more into the positivity in messaging their cybersecurity products? Um, let's see. Let me think on that for a second. I would say just, I, I, I feel like, you know, something that held me back was, well, our brand's not going to be perceived as, you know, an expert and we'll lose credibility. Um, mm-hmm. because, people are so used to that fear-based approach. Um, and it's just, it's just not the case using fear as a motivator in any aspect of life and, and any industry is just, it's a bad business practice. (laughs) So call your, your VP of marketing, your CMO, your CEO today and tell them the FUD is done. <laughs> no more FUD. <laughs> no more FUD. I'm going to make a big sign and hold it up. It's going to be great. Um, 
Ah, oh, so good. Before we close out, Eileen, I do have my three questions because you're more than a marketer and it's nice to pull back that curtain and get to know you better. So are you ready? I am ready. Okay. First question for you. Have you picked up any new hobbies in the last two years, given the pandemic? I have. So I, I've gotten more into yoga. Um, I, before the pandemic, I really didn't have time to, you know, do much just because I was, you know, do much outside of work during the week. Cause I was commuting and I commuted like an hour each way to work. So I finally have time to, to lean more into that. It's something I've always wanted to get better at and work at. Um, so I do have the goal this year of going through yoga teacher training. So yes, um, I've definitely done that. And then I've gotten into, um, also indoor cycling. Nice. Just from, you know, being home <laughs> quarantined, um, and not wanting to go to a gym quite just quite yet. My, my dad's a really big, um, cyclist and he bought this whole system. He's like, so proud of it. It's so cute. Uh, he bought this whole system where he feels like he's like riding alongside people and they're like racing and he can do all these races around the world. He like loves it. So it's, these systems are awesome. And it's nice that they found a way to help people exercise during this insanity. <laughs> yeah. There's, so there's so many at home options now. Oh, it's awesome for sure. Um, okay. If you, uh, maybe your team's coming back together periodically, or I'm not sure, you know, the world's starting to open up again, um, as we're having this conversation. So hybrids coming into play, there's definitely ways people are getting together now. Um, that, you know, if you were to be with your team right now, or next time you're going to be with your team, what song would you want playing overhead to set the vibe? Oh, we're very into, uh, we, we usually start, we have a daily KPI meeting and we kick it off with a, every, someone has to, whoever's the first to join has to put a song on. So we're very into music. Um, I would say, let's see. It's a really hard question. We love Prince. Um, so any Prince song, <laughs> um, I really like the song um, Thunder by Imagine Dragons because yeah. um, it's just about creating impact and kind of disrupting. I know that's such a buzzword, but, um, and it's just a feel good. It's just a really feel good song. And I feel like it, it brings people together and you could sing it together. And so I, I think that would, that's what we would play. You like can't help but get up and dance to that. Right. <laughs> All right, last question for you, Aileen. If you could travel to anywhere in the world without vaccine passes, testing, uh, masking, all of the things, if you could just go, where would you go and why? Oh, another hard question. Um, I've always, so I, I really love Southeast Asia. Um, I've always wanted to go to Singapore um, and I've always wanted to experience Dubai. Um, I have done a lot of research and follow Instagram accounts just of travel in both places. And it's just the Southeast Asia is just mesmerizing. I'm very into the culture. I love Thai food. I love, um, Vietnamese. So I just think it's so beautiful and it's such, so different from 
here in America where I live. Um, I just can't help but get excited about it and love learning about Asian culture. So it would probably be one of those places. Oh, so good. I'm going to have to create, I've been meaning to do this. I'm, I'm feeling extra inspired by you to do this. I wanted to create a map um, and like tag all the different places that everybody has said. So when, as we start making our own travel plans, as the world opens up, we have all this inspiration from y'all. So thank you. Yes. That should be your bucket list. <laughs> yes. Right. For sure. Um, I'm going to make it happen and everybody can access it. Uh, oh, Aileen, thank you so much. It's been, this has been awesome. Thank you. I'm so happy we were connected now. Me too. That was my conversation with Aileen Cosmano. If you are a cybersecurity marketer and not already involved in the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, be sure to check it out. Link to Aileen's profile in the society are in the show notes. Thank you, Aileen, for joining me. It was so good to meet you and to hear how we need to use better messaging and to not fall into the FUD of it all. In the next episode, I chat with John, Ste John Steinhardt, where we talk about what it means to find a career in marketing. Given the great resignation of people continuing to leave their jobs and careers in droves looking for the next thing, you'll definitely want to hear why marketing may be the next step and how we as marketers, how we as marketers need to support those people making those moves. Stay on and autoplay will take you there. Thank you for tuning into season 12. This episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing agency that helps cybersecurity and data companies get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG. Music mix and mastering done by Austin Ellis. If you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply. <laughs>